Let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We lift you up, Lord. We lift you up and magnify you. You are so awesome. You are so wonderful. You are a good father. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. We praise you this morning. We lift you up. We worship you. We honor you. We adore you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We are so glad that we don't serve a dead God. We are so glad that we get to serve the living God. Hallelujah. There's no other God that we would rather serve than you. We love you and we bless your name this morning. We lift you up. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. We come with grateful hearts. We come with thankful hearts, Lord. We love you. In our word, in our deed, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. The word said it is good to give thanks to the Lord. We thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you that we have a building we can congregate in. We thank you we live in a country where we can preach the word freely. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done inside of us. God, we don't forget where we were when you came inside and changed us and made us a new creation. We don't forget. We don't forget what you've done in our families. We don't forget how you've healed us and you've set us free. We don't forget how we used to be in darkness, but now you have translated us into the kingdom of your dear son, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of love. Lord, thank you that your great love with which you loved us, even when we were dead in sin and trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ, has raised us and seated us in heavenly places because you are rich in mercy. You are rich in mercy. Lord, thank you for your mercies are new this morning. Father, thank you. Your mercies are new on us this morning. Thank you. It's goodness and mercy running after us. Goodness and mercy chasing us down and overtaking us. Goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord. It's not poverty and sickness. No, no, no. It's goodness and mercy. Glory to God. We give you the praise for that. We give you the praise for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. We give you glory. We give you the glory. We give you the glory. Thank you, Lord. We are right now seated in heavenly places. We are right now above every principality, power, every darkness, every sickness, every disease, every bondage, every poverty. I thank you, Lord. We are far above because of your rich in mercy, because of your grace, for it is by grace through faith that we have been partakers, that we are now in the kingdom of God. Thank you that we're your family and that you call us your friend. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Glory to God. Man, you ought to start every day off like that. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it'll change the direction of your day. Amen. Oh, glory. He's good, ain't he? Amen. Thanks, Ms. Jean. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> Praise God. So, those of y'all that have been coming uh, to these services while I've been teaching, you know that we're teaching on the seed of the word. Good stuff. Love it. Mark chapter 4. So, we've been all through Mark chapter 4. We've been all in it, and we are still in it. And uh, we talked about, first week, we talked about the infallible word. We got into the word is God, not just, you know, ink on a page. But John 6, 63 says his words are spirit and they are life. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 says at the end of 22 says they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Amen. But if you look at those first two verses above 22, 20 and 21 says my son Pay attention, pay attention, give your attention to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why would it say keep them in the midst of your heart if there wasn't an option for it to come out of your heart? Why would it say keep it in the midst of your heart? Keep it in the midst of your heart 
for they are life. These words are life to us that find them. We have found them, praise God. And they are health to our physical body, health to all our flesh. Amen. Praise God. So we talked about that first week. The word of God is God. Jesus is the word made flesh. Amen. Like it says in John chapter one, became flesh and dwelt among us. Then the second week, we got into this parable of the sower. This is Mark chapter four. We're in verses 13 to 20. So I'm going to read that parable. And then I'm going to go to the second type of soil, because last week we talked about the first type. So here we go, verses 13 to 20. And he, being Jesus, said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Verse 15, And these are the ones by the wayside. That's what we talked about last week. The ones that fell on the wayside, where they heard the word, where the word is sown, when they heard it, Satan comes immediately, immediately, and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. So we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to get into this one, verse 16. These likewise, second type of soil, are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But, it says in verse 17, they have no root in them. There's no root. And so, they endure only for a time. But afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. We're going to be getting into that this morning, but let's keep going for now. Now, these are the ones, a third type of soil, these are the ones sown among thorns. We're going to talk about that next week. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. In the last week, we're going to talk about verse 20. These are the ones, the fourth type of soil, who uh, this, the word is sown on good ground, and those who hear it, Accept it, bear fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. So let's get into it this morning. I do want to go over to verses, same chapter, verses 26 to 29. I'm going to go over this again. It says, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself doesn't know how. You just put the word in. You don't, you don't know how it's growing. You, you don't know how it's working, but you know it's working. You don't have to know all the hows. You just got to know the principle. And once you take that principle and you use it, it'll work for you. Amen? He doesn't know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest have come. So how, uh, who was here Wednesday night? Who was here Wednesday night? And Go back on YouTube and listen to Wednesday night's service. Word of Life Church is on YouTube. It's just Word of Life Church Apopka. We'll come up. You'll see our tree uh, logo. And uh, listen to that. Pastor Daryl preached on the sower. <laughs> and I was like, hey, we, <laughs> we, we on this together. He uh, preached on this. Phenomenal. You want to listen to that. So he talked about how uh, if you don't understand this parable, it's called the parable of parables, if you're looking for the title. It's the last one. It's a parable of parables. He was saying if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. And he said it because Jesus said it. All right. So verse 16, this is the second type of soil. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who immediately when they hear the word, they receive it with gladness. But then they have no root in them. So they endure only for a time. Then when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, that's when they stumble. So last week we talked about how some people just immediately when the word comes, because of things they already have, whether it be doctrines that they believe, things they grew up on, you know, God doesn't heal today, or, you know, being uh, broke is humble, or whatever. We talked about how that could cause people to immediately kick out that word and not completely receive it and let it grow into fruition that it goes in one ear and out the other because there's already preconceived notions or already, you know, wrong doctrine, which we also went over Romans 12 too, that renewing of the mind is erasing all those old things and then adding the new, which is the word of God. So that's what we talked about that week. They immediately, I mean, people come in, they sit down, they get, their, they get their star for that day, they feel, and they leave, they have no fruit in their life. But we talked about how the word of God is the incorruptible seed. No matter, I mean, the word is always, always going to work. No matter if you are good soil, the word will always work. But the difference is the soil, not the seed. 
So the word of God, pastor or whoever's preaching, can preach the same thing. I'm saying one thing to many people, and one person can take it and run with it and bear fruit, and another can leave here exactly the same. It is up to you, the kind of soil that you are. And praise God for that. Praise God. It's the sovereignty message of God chooses who's going to bear fruit, who's going to get saved. Praise God he gave us the option. Amen? Praise God he gave us the ability to use our faith. Praise God that he put it in our hands how the direction of our life will go. Amen? So the second type of soil, the ones that are sown on stony ground. So there's two different things with stony ground. One, the dirt can be so hard packed that it's like stony, so it's hard to get it down into it. But two, there's actual ground that really has stones, I mean rocks all in it, right? And so no root can really grow. There's hardness. Now remember how the word also says, some people, there, it says um, in the Old Testament, it says he took out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. See how he's using the word stony, and he talks about don't harden your heart. He also says that in Psalms. Don't harden your heart like those in Israel in the rebellion for 40 years. They had hardened heart. So he uses this word hardened to describe your heart. And so he's saying here, these ones are ones that it was stoned on stony ground. So they heard the word, and immediately they did receive it with gladness. So they're not like the first one that immediately kicked it out. These ones are in church, and they go, that's good, pastor. Yeah, that's phenomenal. They might even take notes, right? Might even write stuff down. But where the issue arises is that whenever persecution or tribulation comes, when persecution or tribulation comes, this is where you see the problem arise. This is where you see, do they really have fruit or not, or the kind of soil they are. So I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, but keep a little finger or a paper or what, a pen right on Mark chapter 4 because you know we're coming back to it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7 because I want to show you something and I want you to learn of me and I'm going to tell you how I used to think and how I think differently now. <laughs> Matthew 7, 24 to 29. So this says, whoever hears, this is Jesus talking, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house. And it didn't fall, because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. The wind and the waves came to both houses. In our uh, uh, realm of, how do you say, uh, the camp of faith, we'll call it. I know that's Christianese, but the camp of faith. So we listen to the word, you know, we get the people we hang around, the way we think, right, is this is a good thing very much on faith, on victory, right? Which is the word, it's true. But I'll tell you this, faith doesn't stop winds and rains from coming. Now I'll tell you, back in the day, in my mind, although I, could, I would read this and I'd know it, and I, oh, I felt like I knew, I thought I knew it. I'm like, no, you know, when someone, could, oh no, see, well that's not gonna happen to me, and that'll never, that's not gonna touch me, and that can't, that, you can actually speak out of fear, not faith. Did you know that? You can actually try to speak the word out of fear and not faith. I'll give you another example. I was, uh, actually, Andrew Womack said this. He said there was someone, and uh, he was, it, was, it was in a line. He was praying for people. <laughs> and he said, this guy, this demon started manifesting. And so he starts doing all this. Actually, he said he tried punching and drawing, but Andrew Womack's eyes are closed. So he had no idea that was even happening. He's praying, and the guy's like trying to, but he couldn't. He couldn't. But he's trying. Is this, this devil, you know, him. <laughs> and so he hears people around start like, uh, he, like he hears this one woman, like um, she just starts like praying the Lord's Prayer as like hard and fast as she can. And like someone, you know, next to her, they're all like, in the name of Je- in the name of, Je-, you know. And he ended up saying, his eyes were closed. He didn't see what was happening. He, and he wasn't in, there was no fear. He's praying 
the same way he would pray for anyone, right? But through the senses, you can take in something and you can get into fear instead of faith. That's actually, that is exactly what happened, actually, to when uh, the disciples, when the, that man came and said, you know, his son, he falls into the fire, he falls into the water, he has seizures, and so he asked um, the disciples to pray for his son, and then the, the disciples say, oh, Lord, they come and get big chief, right? They come and get Jesus. They're like, let me go get big boss, because for some reason this ain't happening. So they go and get Jesus, <laughs> and they say, why couldn't we cast it out? Why couldn't we cast it out? And so uh, Jesus comes, he rebukes the thing, you know, he's like, get out of here, you know. You see the, the father at that time ends up saying to Jesus, if you can. And then that's when Jesus turns it on him and says, if you can believe. If you can believe. Well, why am I bringing this up? Because what had happened is the disciples, when they had prayed for this boy, once they seen him withering and all that stuff, because of what they seen, the sense realm, they got into unbelief. Well, how do I know that? Because Jesus said, it's because of your unbelief. Jesus answered it because of your unbelief. Then later on, he says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I believe I mentioned this one of the other times I preached that one of these mornings, that a lot of times people look at that and think it's because uh, it means that this type of devil only comes out with prayer and fasting. But that is not congruent with the rest of the word. Nowhere else in the word do you see, he says, oh, wait, you have to pray and fast first. No, the subject of, those, uh, of that passage of scripture is unbelief. So I'm bringing that up to say, because of the five physical senses, because of the sense realm, the natural realm, you can, it's up to you, you could let in unbelief. And so it's not to say that you didn't have faith. It didn't mean you didn't have faith. He said unbelief. He didn't say you didn't have faith. He said unbelief. But you can have faith, and if unbelief comes in, it's like, it's like if uh, two people are playing tug-of-war or something like that, and like equal, you know, if you just get rid of the unbelief, people go, why isn't my faith working? It's not that you don't have faith. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain. You got faith to be saved, and that was the greatest miracle that could take place. You were pulled straight up out of hell, out of the kingdom of darkness. A, a sin nature got yanked up out of you, and the God kind of nature got put on the inside of you, translated in the kingdom of light. You're seated in heavenly places. That is a miracle. You have faith. So... What the issue was is they had let unbelief come in because of what they seen. Now, Jesus prayed, you know, he didn't, he didn't pray for them, sorry. He cast the thing out of them. He talks to the father. The kid's withering around, and he says, so how long has this been happening? He doesn't even care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about what he sees. So he talks to the father. How long has this been happening? And then that's when he says, oh, since he was a child, he threw himself in the fire, throws himself in the water, this, 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 this. And so the thing is, it says, uh, after Jesus cast it out, it says, then the, the spirit greatly vexed him. He, he, it, it looked in the natural like it got worse. That's what it looked like. It looked like it got worse. But the thing was coming out, throwing a fit and coming out. And then it looked like he looked, it says he looked as if he was dead. And then Jesus comes and takes him out, come on. And he's, he's healed. He's completely free. Why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing that up because the sense realm can try to bring in the unbelief. But it's up to you to decide to live by the spirit and not the natural. Amen? We are spirit beings. We are a spirit. I know you've heard this. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. I know you've heard that. But faith, Romans 10, 17, comes by hearing, not having heard. Hearing and hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing. Until it gets so ingrained on the inside of you that you're walking it out and living it, and the supernatural is your first reaction rather than the natural. You can so train your mind, you can so get the word on the inside of you that the supernatural is your first reaction. Your first reaction isn't to get in fear, it's to believe. It says in Mark also, it says, do not fear, only believe. Uh, another part, I don't want to get into that because uh, I need to stay on what we're talking about here. But it's in Mark chapter 5, and Jesus spoke um, to... Jairus, and he told him, don't be afraid, only believe. And I want, you to, I want you to really think about that whenever things come up, that Jesus said, don't fear, only believe, like it's, like it's a choice. Amen. 
He said it like it's a choice. Oftentimes, people feel like it's not a choice. Oh, it's, it just comes about, how am I supposed to not fear? Well, if Jesus told someone, don't fear, only believe, then that means you cannot fear and only believe. Amen? And so when fear or something because of the, and it's always because of the five physical senses, it's always because of the sense realm. When it tries to come in, you have an option to say, mm, I'm not going to trust in that word. I'm going to trust in this word. And I'm going to believe what he said above what this is saying. Now, Mark chapter 11, I quoted this one of the other Sundays. <laughs> That it says in the KJV that when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, I know I'm just pulling up these. I'm not actually going to them, but hopefully you've heard of this before, these scriptures before. But Jesus speaks to the fig tree. It actually says when he walks by and he's seen there were leaves and no figs, which, side note, in uh, Israel, what, what they say is um, that, that certain types of fig trees actually bear the fruit before they bear leaves. And so we're not used to that. We used to just see leaves and then the fruit. But it is actually that uh, it would, there should be figs on it before there's leaves on it. So when he walked up and seen there's leaves, that means there should have already been figs. And then that's why he cursed it. And uh, he's like, that, that thing was lying, right? It was saying it had fruit that it didn't have. Hmm, think about that. <laughs> it was saying it had fruit that it didn't actually have. So then he curses the thing. But why did I bring that up? Because it actually says in the KJV, Jesus answered it. That means the tree was talking. Right. It says he answered it. The tree must have been talking. I told you last, last week, your pocketbook or your wallet will talk to you. Your body will talk to you. Things will talk to you in your life. But who are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to choose to trust in? Who are you going to believe? You can only believe one or the other. In the same way, that light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. You have to choose ye this day. You're going to choose. It's a choice he's given you. That's why he said don't fear. Just believe. Amen. So back to Matthew 7. The winds and the waves came to both houses. Both houses. Now, I had gotten into this idea that if something came or arose, it was failure. It was failure on the part of faith. It was failure on my part. That was my thought process. And I thought if something had come against me, I, uh, you know, that it was like, wait, this isn't allowed. I'm, 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 in, I'm in faith. I'm in the kingdom of God. This isn't, how is this? The thing is, don't ever, I want you to remember this. Please remember this. Don't ever mistake a challenge for a defeat. Don't ever mistake a challenge for a defeat. There's a reason it says fight the good fight of faith. There's a reason that it says having done all to stand, stand therefore. There's a reason that's written in the word. You're not defeated because the enemy is trying to challenge you and trying to get that seed out of you. So let's look back at that Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Praise God. Let a trial, let a tribulation, let it be something that actually causes you to be stronger in your faith. If, you, if your faith is never tested, and I'm not saying that testing or that trial is coming from God because it's not, because it can't. It says in James chapter 1, there's no variation in him. It also says that God is good and in him there's no darkness at all. He, he's not even, he can't. He's not going to, he can't put that on you. There's no sin in him. There's no darkness in him. There's no sickness in him to be able to put on you. You know, people think, you know, he's using this to, 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 to um, train me or whatever, to teach me. In him there is no darkness. How's he going to put darkness on you? Okay, okay. So anyway, Mark chapter 4. So going back to what we were talking about, that, that stony ground. When they hear the word, at first they have gladness. At first they're very glad about it. Woo! Yes! So good. But once that tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, let's stop right there, for the word's sake. For the word's sake. For the word's sake. The enemy does not want that word rooted in you. He knows that is his defeat. He knows he's defeated, but he doesn't want you to know he's defeated. And you might think, oh, 
I know this. I've been going to this church. Or I've been reading the word. I listen to Hagen. I listen to Copeland, right? You know, I know this. But when tribulation, persecution, or any kind of trial challenge tries to come up on you on your faith, tries to come up on you, if there's any kind of doubt, if there's any kind of, hmm, oh, this isn't working. I quoted the word three times today, and it, I, it still looks like it's still there. The problem looks like it's still there. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to you. It says that tribulation comes because of the word's sake. The enemy does not want this word on the inside of you. He does not want you bearing fruit, but you are not to fear him for he is under our feet. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Luke 9, 1 says that he gave his disciples power and authority to cast out all unclean spirits and to heal all, heal all those that were sick. He gave power and authority. What's the difference between power and authority? I'll tell you. <laughs> power is the Greek word dunamis. Authority is the Greek word exousia. So dunamis, which is power, is like the actual force or the actual thing that's uh, it's like a gun in a, for a cop. Cop has a gun, cop has a taser. They're going to use that force. That's the power. Exousia is authority. It's jurisdiction. It's the badge of the cop saying he's allowed to use that gun and use that taser. It's the badge. It's this is my jurisdiction. You can tell the devil, hey, buddy, you're out of your jurisdiction. You're out of your jurisdiction. You're not allowed in this body. You're not allowed in my family. You're not allowed in my finances. You're out of your jurisdiction. But the Lord has given you his exousia, his authority. You take that badge and, oh, look at this, you know. <laughs> That's the name of Jesus. I have jurisdiction. I actually have jurisdiction. You don't. Nanana boo boo. I actually have the authority here. I actually rule over you. Another one other than Luke 10, 19, Luke 9, 1 is Psalm, uh, Psalm 91. A lot of you know Psalm 91. The part that says you will trample you will, tre- you will tread, sorry, trample is Luke 10, 19. Trample on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the adder, you shall trample underfoot. So it tells you even back in Psalm 91. I mean, look at, man, I want to, this is go, powerful. Go. Colossians 2, 15. It says, let's go to Colossians 2, 15. Colossians 2, 15. Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. Man, I want you stirred up this morning. I want you to be that good soil. Luke 2, 15, come on now. Having disarmed, everybody say disarmed. Disarmed. He took away its power. Disarmed meant he took the gun away. He took the the sword away. It has no power. He took it away. Having disarmed the principalities and the powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And did you know that when he did this, you were in him? You're in Christ. So when he triumphed over the devil, you were right there with him. You triumphed over the devil. You were right there with him when he was triumphing over them in it. Amen. And it said, and back in the old days where they would go to a king and they would kill a king, then they would go to back to where they live and they would parade around the, the, the village or the city or whatever, um, that king's head, a little, little graphic, but the king's head, or they would tie him up if it was still alive, if they were still... If it, if that person was still alive, they'd tie him up or they'd drag him through the streets. And they would oftentimes take off like, you know, their clothes and stuff. It was to embarrass them. It was to show that they had no power and no authority over them anymore. See, when the king, when they would go off into war and before they came back with the king, the, the, the city would be in fear that they might come and rampage the place, you know, uh, uh, take their stuff, kill them, you know, whatever, take their wives and kids. So they would live in fear until, until their warriors would come back with the king's head. And once they had the king's head, they knew in the, there was no fear. They knew, oh, he's defeated. So they don't walk around in fear because they know, because they've seen the triumphant walk. They've seen them bring that king around, and they knew, oh, they can't come into this camp. They can't touch me. They're dead. They're defeated. So it says, having disarmed all the principalities and powers, he 
He took away its power to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Luke 10, 19, and nothing shall be any means hurt you. He took away its power. Yes. Well, well, then how, how is the devil, you know, whipping some people? How are things happening in people's mm-hmm. lives? How, amen. Amen. How is this happening to people? How does it look like it looks like he's winning? How is that happening? Well, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> the Lord has given you what? Free will. The same reason that God, his will is for every person to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9 says he's not willing that any man should perish. None, but that all should come to repentance. So if his will is that every person be saved and you see people not being saved, and that's God, all power, all authority, but he will not, he will not overstep the boundary of free will. He won't. He will not overstep your free will. And he has given unto you, unto the sons of men, he has given us everything on the earth, the authority and the power to govern this earth and everything that is in the earth, every creeping thing, every, you know, Genesis, you can go back to Genesis and read that. He gave all of the dominion to us. So now if you see, well, why is this happening over here and kids are getting beat and all these things are happening, God gave you the dominion on this earth. So who's allowing it? It's not God. It's us. It's us. And so people will think, well, how is this being allowed to happen? You are allowing or disallowing. It's up to you. It's up to you. And you might be like, I'm not going out and saying, devil, come over here and give me sickness or come take my money. I'm not saying that. I'm not waking up and saying, no, no. But what does it say in James 4, 7? It says, submit to God and what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What does resist look like? What does resist look like? Hey, get out of here. No, resist is, I'm talking about tooth and toenail. Tooth and toenail, is that the right word? I'm talking about all your might. Get off of me. Stay away from me. Resist. And it says he will flee. He will flee. He will flee. And if you say, well, it doesn't look like he's fleeing, keep resisting. Keep standing. Put on the armor of God. That's what it's for. He didn't give you armor because there wouldn't be a battle. He didn't give you a sword, the sword of the spirit, if you weren't supposed to use it, if you weren't supposed to wield it. Amen? He has given you all of his authority, all of his power, and now it's up to you by free will to use it or not. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So let's go back to Mark chapter 4. Jesus is Lord. Mark chapter 4. I mean, how many times he kept telling the disciples, he's like, come on, y'all. Do I really got to be with y'all for this long? He said, I've been with you for this long. I've been with you for this long, and we're still going over this. Right? We're still going up. Three years, you've been seeing me. You've been watching me. You've been watching me. You think of it like a little kid. They watch their parent. They start saying stuff you say or doing stuff you do. Hopefully, that's good. If you're doing stuff that's good, right? And so he's like, y'all have been watching me. Y'all have been hearing me. You ought to be saying and doing what I say and do. You know, you have the God kind of nature inside of you. Now that the sin nature is gone, God has replaced it with his nature. Well, the nature of something, the nature of something is like what it says, what it does, however it acts. That's its nature. Well, you ought to be saying and doing what God says and does. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what my father says. How, when did that take place? When did he see the father do that? When did, when did he hear the father say that? In his times of prayer. It says so many times in the word, he went off on a mountain to pray. And he, he left from the multitudes and he went by himself to pray. And he went by himself to pray. And he went by himself to pray. Son of God. Son of God. No sin. No sin. He had all authority. He wasn't asking the Lord for anything. What was he doing? Fellowshipping with the Lord. Seeing what the Lord does. Hearing what the Lord hears so he could go and do what the Lord does and say what the Lord says. Amen? Amen. So the only way that you can really act and do like God is to spend that fellowship time with him. What did we say? The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. So as you spend that time, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there are some times you're spending time and you feel something or it's nice and you got the, the, the scenery just right and it's like a nice time. And you feel good. That, I'm not, that can happen and that's good. That's cool. That's cool. 
But you actually reading the word is the fellowshipping with God because he is the word. And you don't have to have a feeling. It doesn't say anywhere in Mark chapter 4 when he was putting the word and putting the seed in the soil that he had any kind of feeling. Slept by night, rose by day. He doesn't even know how it's working, but it's working. Amen? So you don't have to wait for a feeling or a goosebump. Amen? But it says the word does the work. The word does the work. Now let me tell you this. If you go back to that seed and you keep uh, digging it up to see if it's working and digging it up to see if it's working, can't ever take root. People do this when they go, oh, Lord, by his stripes, I'm healed. Let me see if I, let me see. Oh, it's still there. Oh, it's still, let me see if it's working. Oh, okay, well, by his stripes, I'm healed. Let me check the sense realm. Let me check the sense realm, see if it's working. No, no. It says, he puts in the word, he sleeps by night, rises by day. The earth yields the crops. The earth yields the crops by itself. So first the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. When it ripens, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Yeah. It's working. That's faith. Uh Faith is knowing that that word is working. It's working in me. God's words are containers of God's faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How? The very ability that is in the word, it's inside that word. The very power of God, the faith for that promise is inside the promise. So when you take that word and you read it, and you read it, and you meditate on it, and you say it, and you hear it, and you hear it, You're planting it and getting on the inside of you. Amen? Meditate. If you look into that word, if you look into that word, it actually is translated, transliterated to the word mutter. Mutter. So what they mean by that is like, you know when you're reading something and then you didn't quite get what it was, so you like say it again, read it again. You can't really like, you're trying to read it. So then you end up saying it out loud and then you go, the kingdom of heaven is going to just cut your seat on there. That's muttering. That's muttering. It's saying it out loud and it's getting it on the inside of you. But that word meditate, not transliterated, but if you can translate it, you can actually get the word where imagination comes from, the word, where the word imagination comes from. So to meditate is to really picture. I mean, get a picture, paint a picture on the inside of your soul. Get a picture of what the word is saying. Because I'll tell you this, you have a picture. Something's giving you a picture. Something's painting a picture. You know the same place on the inside of you that you, where you meditate is the same place where you, people can worry? It's the same exact place where people can worry. Worrying is painting that mental picture of something negative. I know you've heard fa- uh, fear is, is faith in, in the devil or something like that. There's like a quote someone said. False evidence appearing real. Yeah, there's like a couple different quotes of what fear is, false evidence appearing real, or it's faith in the devil. You know these like quotes and stuff, which, which are cool, but... Ultimately, it is you taking a picture and painting a picture of something that's going to happen. You're prophesying over yourself. You're taking and looking at, you're envisioning your future. But if it's in the negative, it's worry. Amen. If it's in the negative, you're, oh, you're thinking it and you're thinking it and you're thinking it, you're thinking it. That's meditating, 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 meditating. So instead of meditating on that, that's why he says, do not fear, only believe. You got to get this so ingrained. You got to meditate on this. You got to get it so inside of you. I'm telling you, uh, in the morning, you know, an hour or whatever, that's great. And you should be disciplined in the word. But if that's it, I'm telling you, you're not really meditating on it. I'll tell you. You're getting it inside of you, and that's good. But if you say, well, I can't, like in the middle of work, you know, I'm working for eight hours, I can't really, you know, like for example, I'll take the word and instead of going, instead of bringing my phone wherever it is, or I could have it in my pocket, but instead of, you know, you have like a second between two tasks, like you scroll for a second or you go into the bathroom, you know, you're, you know, using the bathroom and you're like scrolling for a second. Instead of doing that, I've been bringing this everywhere. And you might think, well, that's only like 30 seconds. That's only one scripture you can read. However, that adds up in throughout the day. But I am going to tell you this, even if you can't, let's say you can't, let's say I got that word in. So let's say you get 30 minutes in, an hour in, whatever it is of you getting that reading, actually physically reading the word. Well, I can tell you that meditation, you can meditate on the word all day. You can take that with you. you. You don't leave your brain at home. You don't leave your mind, your heart, right? So throughout the day, if you place your thoughts on the word of the Lord, you think on, you imagine, you see the word working, you see yourself well, you see money in your, in, your, in your bank account, you see yourself giving and giving to people, you see whatever God is putting on the inside of you of what you're called to do, you see yourself doing it. Yeah. 
You see yourself at that place. You see yourself driving that car. You see yourself in that house. You see yourself doing that, whatever it is. You can do that all day. It says, in the law doth he meditate day and night in Psalm 1. Then he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water who bears fruit in its season. Leaf shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. That's only the tree that's planted right by that water. Only that one. If you're ever in a place, uh, let's say, don't get lost, all right? Y'all, just don't get lost. Just take my word for it. Don't ever get lost somewhere. But if you get lost somewhere and you're looking for water, what do you do? You go by where the trees look the nicest and most green. Any kind of foliage that you see is more green, there's going to be water near it. So water, the tree that's planted by the rivers of water, its roots go deep, and it's getting all the nutrients it needs, it's getting everything it needs, and that thing is barren fruit and barren fruit. But the tree's not planted by water. No, they don't have the proper nutrients. They don't have what they need. But it says that that person that's like that, that bears fruit, every season its leaf isn't withering. It says, in the law doth he meditate day and night. Amen. Meditate day and night. Meditate day and night. It doesn't mean necessarily that you have to be like, if you're driving, now I will say at a red light, I've looked at the word before. I've looked at my, I have my Bible next to me, and I was like, wait, I need that one scripture. One scripture. <laughs> Just at the red light, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> if you're driving, obviously you shouldn't be sitting there like reading the word like that. Actually, one day we were out, I think it was, I think it was Nikki. I think it was Nikki um, Condon. And <laughs> I, I think it was her who seen it. We probably, I think we were in the car together or something. And she's like, did you see that? There's a lady who had a notebook on her steering wheel. And she's like, she was either like writing or like reading or something like that. And we were like, wait, what is this? You know, that was like a long time ago. But anyway, I'm not saying do that. But meditate. He meditates in the law day and night. He meditates in the word day and night. I mean, he's constantly thinking about the Lord and the word and, and painting a mental image, painting a picture on his soul of what the word says. When you, when you're, when you first fall in love, all throughout the day. You don't got to be talking to that person. All throughout the day, what are you thinking about? You're thinking on them. You're thinking all the good things and all the things you love about them. And, oh, they're, they're so cute. And when they do that, it's so cute. All this, right? The Lord. I mean, when you love this, when you love this, and let me tell you, if you feel like, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I can't really say that I'm in love with the Lord. I can't, I can't really say I'm in love. Well, I have good news for you. Don't be, don't be condemned. Just change today. And I'll tell you this, the more you spend time with someone, the more you love them. The more you get to know them, to know God is to love him. To know him is to love him. Amen. And he's the word. So if you really want to get to know him, you've got to get to know this word. You have to. This is the character of God. This tells you, he, this is his love letter to you. He tells you how nice you are and how cute you are, how great you are, okay? It comes, it comes in the form of, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2 where he says God is rich in mercy. And in that richness of mercy, he has sat you in heavenly places by his grace. Amen. Amen. And so you read this and you're like, that's me. That's me. That's why it says in James. That's why it says in James chapter 1 that it says this is your mirror. This is your mirror. This is your real mirror, and you look at it. Now, this is the difference between looking at this and seeing who you are on the inside, your spirit man, or looking at an actual mirror is only looking at the outside, the flesh, right? It says he observes himself, and then he walks away and forgets what manner of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and does them, right, this man will be blessed in what he does, James chapter 1. And so if you look into this word and you let the word get inside of you, then you see this and you, that is me. That is me, and that's me, and that's me, and that's me too, and that's me too. And you get to know who you are, and when you know who you are, you'll walk in it. Easy. It comes naturally, supernaturally, but it comes naturally or it comes, you know, easily when it's something that's inside of you. So it says, like, like back in Mark chapter 4, that it says, <laughs> in there, Mark chapter 4, that's where it says that the word of God... Man, my, my Bible just flips right to it because I've been in it so much on this chapter. But it says here in um, 28, the earth yields crops by itself. Yes. It yields crops by itself. If you put that word in, the fruit will come by itself naturally. Right. It will come naturally. You're not trying. 
You don't walk by a tree, an apple tree, and it's like, and then gives you an apple. It's not trying. Miss Jean, is it trying? It's not trying. You put the seed in, you water that thing, and naturally that fruit will come. So you just keep putting that word in. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Just keep putting that word in. Just keep putting that word in. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't meditate on that mental picture of something that's negative. As you meditate and imagine this and you put the word inside, the fruit will come naturally. Amen. So this person, let's get back to that soil, right? It says that uh, they had no root in them. They had no root in them. So what happens when there's a tree and the roots don't go very deep? The, the easiest bit of wind that comes knocks it over. But the trees that have them deep roots, them, those far roots, like a mulberry tree, which is also why the Lord uses mulberry tree in another passage. You shall say unto this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and cast in the sea and it will obey you. That, he uses mulberry tree. Its roots uh, go f- deep, go f- uh, wide. Its roots go wide, really, really wide. And so um, your roots, you want this root system. You got to get this root system in you. But you can get so happy and so glad and you start telling people about it. And that's good. Let me tell you. Romans 10.10 says, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we know, I'd love to get into this, but I don't have time to to really, really get into this. But you know that is actually the principle we use for everything in the word. Mm -hmm. That is the principle that we use for anything that's in there. It comes by believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth, right? When you really believe something, it's going to come out your mouth. When you really believe it. When, you, when there's a salesman and they really believe in their product, I mean, they believe in that product. They love that product. They're going to be using that product. Let me tell you, if someone comes up to you and they say, I'm telling you, this is the best this water is the best water I've ever drinking. If you drink this, your skin will be nice. You'll be refreshed and just hydrated. It is the best water you could ever buy. And if you were to ask me, do you drink it? And I go, nah, not really. Actually, I drink Aquafina. Would you believe that that's the best water coming from them? You do what you believe. If you actually believe it, you will do it. Believe is what you live by. Believe is live by. Believe, by, live, live by. If you don't live by it, you don't believe it. As much as you might not want to hear it, if you don't do the word, you don't believe the word. If you don't do the word, you don't actually believe it. Now let it now if that's you, if that's you today, change. That's the good news. You can change. You don't have to stay like that. That's the point of preaching the word. It changes you. It gets the word in you, and you start to morph to look like Jesus. You start to morph until you're transferred into the image of Christ. Step by step, as you look more and more like him. That's what that word, look it at the time. That word, glory to glory, is doxa to doxa. The, The actual root word is doxa. Doxa to doxa, which means image to image. So you're going, and it's like you're, sl- you're slowly morphing and changing into looking like Jesus. It's yeah. the end result. That's the end goal. It's to look just like him, to do what he does, to say what he says, and to get the results he gets. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so as you do this, you start morphing into Jesus himself, start looking like him. You, hold on a second. You kind of looking like Jesus. You sound like Jesus. You kind of smell like Jesus. What did, it, what did they say to the disciples? It says, whenever in Acts, it says, even though they were unlearned men, they were amazed at what they were doing. And then it says, they knew that they had been with Jesus. How do you know someone's been with someone? You ever leave someone's house and you smell like, their clothes smells like their house? Like you smell, you're like, I, I smell like Miss Jean's house. I was over there hanging out. I smell like Miss Jean now. Right? That fragrance gets on you. Right? You smell like them. And now they come to mind when they smell that. People, Jesus should come to people's mind when they hear you. And when they see what you do, when they smell you, (laughs) you should smell like Jesus. You should be in his house, you know? You'd be walking with him, talking with him, that people, when they see you, they see him. Amen. That's the end result. That's the goal. That's what you're trying to get to, right? Now, your spirit looks exactly like Jesus. Your spirit is, it actually says in the word that you are now one spirit with him. So your spirit, your marriage, I mean, you and Jesus, yes. But... 
until you get your mind renewed, Romans 12, 2, to the word of God, it moves from spirit to soul to body. That's how everything in the word moves. It moves from your spirit into your soul, into your body. How do you get into your soul? Meditating on the word. Meditating on the word. Getting on the inside of you. Planting that on the inside of you. As you do this, it gets down in your soul. Gets in your soul. Now you think the word. And you talk the word. And you act the word. And you are the word. Like Jesus is the word. So then it moves into your body. So, or, or into the natural. It manifests. Whether it be prosperity. I mean, you got to walk, talk. You, you are prosperity. I mean, until you get to that point, you won't see it manifested. Until you get to that point, you are health. You are healing. It's on the inside of you. Why does it say in uh, Romans, it says, talking about Abraham, talking about God to Abraham, he called those things that be not as though they are. What does that mean? That be not visible. You can add that word visible, little parentheses visible. He calls those things that be not visible as though they are visible. They exist in the spirit. You know, Jesus used that principle every time when he was healing people. If you start looking, you'll start seeing. When you seek, you'll find. When you search, when you knock, it'll be open to you. But until then, it's not going to be open to you. So if you start looking at the word, you'll start seeing this everywhere in the word. Where Jesus, whenever uh, the man that was by the pool, uh, pool of Bethesda, that man, he was crippled. He had been that way, I think, for 38 years, I believe. I'd have to go back and look. He'd been like that for a long time. And uh, Jesus comes to him, and he says, Wilt thou be whole? Will you? He's asking him, will you? He's not saying, do you want to be healed? He's actually saying, will you? If I, lay, if I pull you up right now, will you be healed? You know, you can pray, you know, go to minister to people, and you say, hey, it, when I lay hands on you, are you going to be healed? And if they say, well, I hope so. That's not the right answer. Well, that's not the right answer. That's not what I'm looking for. Will you? Yeah. Will you? Yeah. This is a point of contact. This is your faith. In point. If your faith isn't, th- what did Jesus himself say to all these people that got healed? He said, go in peace. Uh, your faith has made thee whole. Your faith has made you well. He said this to so many people. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. I said this another week in here before, that people think, well, if I walked with Jesus... If I was there when Jesus walked the earth, then I would for sure be healed. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus required faith. This word, Psalm 107, verse 20, says he sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. The word. He sent the word. He sent the word. And the word yielded the same results that Jesus himself, if he came and laid hands on you, get the same results using the word. Because the word is Jesus. And so... Jesus required the same faith that the Bible requires. You get the same results if you use this as if Jesus was standing right there and did it. You, he's on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. And so, <laughs> I'm so glad you came in here because, uh, <clears throat> all right, praise God. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> it says that they had no root in themselves, so they only endured for a little bit. They said, bless God. That's what the word says. Glory to God. I'm glad I'm happy at that word. But when that wind came and the rain came down and the wind blew and tribulation and persecution, uh, persecution came for the word's sake, Satan doesn't want that word on, on the inside of you, immediately they stumble. Immediately they stumble. They had no root in themselves. So you can get happy, but where you can really check your soil is if something comes, are you still happy? Are you still in the word? Are you still quoting the word? Are you still doing the word? And if so, you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. It says that the earth yields crops by itself. You will bear fruit if you continue. Stay in the word. Keep the word in your mouth. Do not let anything change your confession. If your confession lines up with God's confession, which is his word, this is what he said, it's his confession, if your word lines up with his confession, and you do, it says be a doer of the word, not hearer only deceiving yourselves. It says you'll be blessed. It says you'll bear fruit. You'll walk in everything God walked. If you do what Jesus did, you get the results Jesus got. He's on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to wrap it up there and uh, give the offering message. Uh, I was about to pray. I have one minute to give the offering message. Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> Don't rob God. Amen? Don't rob God. Tithes and offerings. Don't rob God. That's what the word says. That is my fastest offering message. And that's what I use on building the believer because it gets to the time. And I'm like, oh, offering message. 
Don't rob God. Amen. Father, thank you for the word. Father, thank you for the seed of the word on the inside of each and every person here that as they water that word, their roots are growing deep and growing wide. And any wind that comes, they are not moved. They're not knocked over. They are planted by rivers of living water and they bear fruit in every season. Father, I thank you that these are our people who are good soil. And the word falls on that good soil, and I call every person in here a fruit bearer to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Father, bless the offering. We thank you that he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but he who sows generously will reap generously, that you love a cheerful giver. And Father, I thank you as they sow into your word financially, I thank you they're bearing fruit in that area as well as they're doers of the word by sowing. I thank you. Your word says you are not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. So Lord, I thank you that you won't be mocked. You won't let someone sow generously and reap sparingly. No, because you're not going to be mocked. So Lord, I thank you that they are tremendously blessed. And I thank you the measure with which they sow is a measure which with they will be blessed. And that is your law. And we thank you that they are blessed. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.